Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from, from behind a screen, we hope that our time today on this podcast encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to communicate in healthy ways. We all have the choice between healthy and unhealthy communication, and this podcast exists to help you choose words that matter and will help improve your world. Well, today is going to be fun. We are joined by such an incredible guest. We're interviewing a great leader, an inspiring leader who every single time I follow her posts on LinkedIn, I walk away just inspired and challenged. Uh, They're just filled with incredible leadership principles. And so if you regularly communicate with a group of people, you're Mm -hmm. a teacher, you lead sales presentations, you, you just have to update your team Uh, The reality is this episode is for you, and we're talking about how to make learning stick, and I just think it should be a crime, and maybe that's Dr. Christie's words from her book, but it should be a crime to bore our audience with what we're presenting, and so how do you teach in a way where the learning can stick? How do you engage your audience and get them to follow along with you? These are just some of the principles that we're going to dive in today, and that's exactly what Dr. Christie McMullen's book is, Learning Can Stick. This is what it's all about. And so I'm just so excited to welcome uh, you, Christy, onto the Speak With People podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited for the opportunity, Jason. Thank you so much for believing enough in me to let me come talk to your people. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, before we hop into the conversation and we kind of go through the questions, uh, could you just give us a little bit more of your story, who you are, what you do, your family, all that kind of stuff? Sure. So we got to make this exciting for people so they know they want to keep it, keep listening, right? So I am a mm-hmm. 24-year educator turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mother of 22-year-old twins. I've been married for 23 years. And all of that has led me to where I am today. I have the honor and privilege of helping people not to be boring, right, or <laughs> mediocre. I believe that you should always make work fun so people don't quit. And fun means that you make people feel valued and appreciated, that they know they can make mistakes and not get in trouble for it, that they know that um, they're going to be equipped to do their jobs well. And I do that in my own business and also in my full-time job uh, where I'm helping people just get better at what they do so that they aren't Mm. mediocre anymore. So personally, I absolutely love my family. I love being on the boat and out with um, anything outside. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, professionally, I really love moving people from mediocre to extraordinary by just being better at what they do. That's a little bit Ah. about me, Jason. I love it. I love it. I love it. You, this, I didn't put this on the questions, but it just registered as you were telling us your story. I mean, so many leaders don't think through how to share their story. And we're all asked at some point to do the you know, if we're at the BNI group or we're at the Chamber of Commerce, give us your 30 second. I, I, like you not you just gave us like an incredible, you know, 30 second uh, minute <laughs> version of your story. I love that. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. So one of the things that I've learned as I get to be on podcasts and get to tell my story is that people have about a minute and a half before they get bored and mm. decide if they want to keep listening or if they're all done. So if you don't give people something right away, Um, they're probably going to tune you out. So that whole make work fun thing, most people can resonate with that. 
Um, so that's why I start there. It really does make good sense. We have uh. to stop being boring. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, let's just jump right in with, with yep. that. So when it comes to presentations or trainings, you know, why are so many boring? Why are so many like, do we have to sit through this? <laughs> well, I think there are a couple things that happen there. The first one is um, often people think that just because they were hired to speak somewhere or they were asked to speak somewhere that they have to be a sage on the stage. And the problem with that is there is so much brilliance in the room that never gets tapped into if you think that you should be the only voice. So it's relinquishing a little bit of that control that um, moves from boring to great. And then the other thing I think uh, that makes people boring is they don't really think about what are the takeaways that I want somebody to know at the end of this conversation, right? Or at the end of this speech or at the end yep. of this presentation. They don't think, okay, people will get one, two, and three from me. Instead, they're just like, ooh, I get to talk to people. I'm going to tell them all my stories, but I'm not going to tell them how they can apply my stories to their own life. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. I think because so many people are like, they just get so wrapped up in the stress and anxiety of, oh, I got to do this. I hope it goes okay. Or if they could just get to a place where they breathe and go, okay, hey, let me think about my audience first yeah. and what they're going to walk away with. Uh, that, I mean, that would just be, you know, incredibly, incredibly important. How, what do you think, are there some characteristics of, uh, of a boring, you know, training experience or a boring presentation, just things that we can look out for, Hey, let's steer away from these things. Yes. So a couple things, um, one adult learners, which is, you know, it's not, it might not always be our audience, but really learners in general, um, have about a 10 minute attention span and mm. that's stretching it, right? So because of TikTok and Instagram and Reels, I mean, Reels are seven seconds long. So <laughs> right. attention span has shrunk considerably over the years, but you can pretty much guarantee after 10 minutes of, even if you're fully engaging and exciting, after about 10 minutes, people are like, yeah, what are we going to have for dinner? Or let me scroll yep. a little bit, right? So part of it is a 10 to 2 rule, which is mm. for every 10 minutes that I'm speaking to you, you should have two minutes of processing time and two minutes of conversation with somebody else. So if you ever hear me speak, it's not just me. I will frequently say, you know, uh, turn to a partner and tell them one thing you heard me say that you think you can use. And then I bring them back. Because if I sit and listen for 45 minutes, which is what people do on podcasts too, right? So you have to be real careful here. But if you just sit and listen and consume information and you don't ever process it, you won't remember it. You just can't. Your brain's like, wow. hi. <laughs> um, wow. And then there are a few other things that you have to do um, to keep it from being boring. And so that's where the premise of my book came from is you must make every interaction safe, logical, fun, and memorable. And those four things are in that order on purpose. And I know we're going to talk about them today, but it's really about... Can I thoughtfully make this about learning something and being able to remember it instead of me just delivering information? We tend to word vomit all the things we want mm -hmm. to at somebody and then just hope that they get a little nugget of wisdom. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's so powerful. I mean, you think about how many uh, presentations, trainings, whatever, you know, talks we've sat through where it is just that 45 or 50 minutes where, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, many times I've spoken in front of teenagers and there are some adults that are like, you know, every teenager 
has to be silent and still the entire time. And I, I guess I've just always been the, you know, outside the comfort zone there or, you know, think outside the box because I'm like, is not not fair that we're just expecting yeah. that they're going to sit still yeah. and listen for 45 <laughs> include them in the learning let yeah. them talk to you know the people next to them or say something verbally i mean that's that's so powerful the reality is our neurons only fire when there's emotion evoked in what we're hearing so mm. we are not evoking emotion in our audience and that can be laughter tears excitement any sort of emotion then they are not going to remember anything you said. That's the only time our synapses fire. Wow. <laughs> but what happens is we think, oh, I'm hilarious, right? And I'm saying all the funny things. That's great. But that's only step one. That gets their neurons firing and then they have to talk about it. So I think uh, frequently people think, oh, well, I entertained them for the last 50 minutes. And that might be true. But did they walk away with something mm. they could use in that entertaining moment? And that's the, that's the balance that you have to find. Cause I, I mean, I can entertain the heck out of somebody, but right. I want them to remember it too. And that's, that's where you have to, um, it's an art. You have to figure out the art. Absolutely. Boy, that's so good to know. So I'm kind of steering towards your book, uh, learning can stick. You know, you say every learning experience has the potential to be potent enough to last in a learner's mind. So <laughs> what goes into that type of learning experience? I know we kind of hit on it a few questions ago, but dive in a little deeper with us with that. Yeah. So to make it potent, um, you know, you walked in as the speaker already knowing all the information. And the goal isn't that you walk out also being the only one knowing the information. So it's about interacting with that information. So I'm going to go through the framework of safe, logical, fun, and yeah. memorable to make it make sense. So you start with safe. Safe means people know that it's okay to learn in this space. And learning gets a negative connotation or an education connotation. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what industry you work in. Hmm. You want people to learn something from you. Right. Yep. Whether it's how to use a certain software or where you put things in the office or what they need to know to do their job well, that's all learning. So the safe part is learning people's names and um, making them feel welcome, asking questions. So I literally at the beginning of every single experience I ever have as a keynote or as a speaker is I give scratch and sniff stickers. So. These particular ones <laughs> smell like fruit punch. I think they smell like Hawaiian punch, if I'm being honest. But I'll yeah. literally grab the lanyard of the person if we're at a conference, stick a sticker on them, and learn their name, right? That's my introduction, whether I'm speaking to a room of 600 or six. And the reason that I do that is because it forces an interaction. It's amazing how pretty mm. it makes people feel valued, um, which is really the point. So the safe part is making sure that people know, you know what, she's going to give me something or he's going to give me something that I need and want, and they have my best interests in mind. So that's yep. the logical part is that you have to have a plan and you have to stick to the plan, but you can't be the only one who knows the plan. So oh. I, I look at it this way, and we've all had this experience at work at some point where your boss calls and says, I need you in my office in an hour. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> what are we going to talk about and how, you know, oh gosh, so I spend that hour totally freaked out because right. I don't know if it's good, bad, ugly, what am I supposed to do? The difference would be 
Christy, I need you in my office in an hour. We're going to talk about the Smith file because I'm meeting with them at five o'clock today. And I just need to know what kind of progress you're making. That's yep. a totally different hour, right? Right. Now I can be prepared. Now I can do what I need to do. So that's logical in a meeting space or in an office space or a workspace. But then there's also logical if I'm giving a presentation, what do I want people to know at the end? And then I give it to them in a one pager. Here's everything you need to know. Here's everything I'm going to cover. Um, right. Highlight, right? Now you have an anchor so that when I talk, you don't have to take notes. You can still leave with what you need to know or you yep. can take notes and get even better at what it is I talked about. So yep. logical is giving space to process and also being really, really clear. Because I, I am a big Brene Brown fan, which it clicker yes. right? <laughs> yes. Not clear is unkind. We have to be clear. So that's safe and logical. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, before you go in, uh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but do you think sometimes, you know, because we've all had that boss situation. Um, yeah. Or we've all had that um, unhealthy communicator where they leave things so open-ended that it does nothing but allow us to just assume the worst. Yeah. Do, do you think that we do that at times? Because we've all done that. We've all been in those situations. But do you think those bosses or we do that at times because – um, we're trying, we're trying to create that, you know, uh, negativity for them, or we're trying to, you know, show our power or we're trying to lead through fear. Yeah. Sometimes I think though, it's often by default, not by design, mm. right? Okay. Well, I'm busy and I need to do four things in the next five minutes, right? I need to shoot off a text to these three people, letting them know I need to meet with them and I need to do this other thing. And I have five minutes to do it. So it's quicker to say, I need you in my office in an hour than it is to say, I need you with my, in my office in an hour to do blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I think it's more by default. However, there are often instances where somebody becomes a leader by title because they were good at their job, but they didn't become a leader because they were good at leading. So right. they're managers, right? right? Versus leaders. And managers tend to be the ones that rule by fear and um, want to keep you under their thumb a little bit more versus yep. I want to give you all the power in the world because you're the brilliant one, right? You know, a great leader surrounds themselves with brilliant people and makes sure that they're not the smartest person in the room. So to answer your question, I think, I think it's often by default. And if it's mm. by design, it's due to insecurity. That leader's insecure and they're trying to make sure that everybody stays below them in some way. That's good. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So safe and logical. What questions yep. did that bring up? No, that, I mean, that's, that, that starts off. So, I mean, so good with being able to, you know, start at that place. I mean, yeah. so, to be able to. So if I'm, you know, a speaker and I've made it safe and logical, the next thing I have to do is make it fun. Because mm. people quit things that aren't fun. So if you think about it this way, nobody goes to a movie a second time if it wasn't fun the first time. Um, they also don't go on a second date if the first date wasn't really great. And right. yet we send people to work and we don't make it fun. Pe well, no, no wonder people are quitting, right? Like, right. Why would I want to keep coming back to something that was really pretty painful? So the fun is truly, you know, stickers and music and that kind of stuff. But it's also, it's fun to feel equipped to do your job well. It's fun to know mm. that you have the right talents and skill sets to do this thing that you're being asked to do. It's fun when your boss knows your personality and your talents and chooses to use them. 
So yeah. the fun is bigger than just silly, little fun. It's yes. really about am I being valued and appreciated? So safe yep. and fun go together for sure. And then there's memorable. And this is my favorite because, uh, well, now let me take that back. Fun's my favorite. <laughs> but I really like memorable because I think that the memorable is the one we forget the most often and it's the most powerful. Mm. So memorable means that you circle back to the thing, whatever the thing is, and you can do it, you know, we're talking about speakers, right? So you can do it in a 45 minute speech with intentionality, right? You can, you can spiral your point, but you also can do it before and after the speech, right? So I believe in the sprinkle, splash, flood, drip, drip, mm. drip way of work. So here's how it works. The sprinkle splash is a lot like a preview to a movie, right? It's what you see before you go. So the sprinkle splash of a keynote would be the email that says, hey, you know what? Christy's going to be with us on Thursday and she's going to talk about this, this, and this, right? Mm -hmm. It's getting the audience excited about what they're going to see. It's the preview. Then you've got the flood. The flood is the event. It's the speech. It's the training. It's the meeting. It's the thing where all the water comes flooding in. All that information mm. is a flood. But the problem with a flood, and you and I both live in Florida, so we know this is true, is most of the flood water is lost in runoff. Mm. So if you want people to truly remember what you're talking about, you have to drip, drip, drip. And the mm. drip, drip, drip is off the trees, right? It's the um, the follow-up email after the training. It's the three weeks later, I'm going to circle back with you and see how things are different because of what we did together. It's the conference that you had for speakers it's the follow-up email that says, hey, we're going to do a quick webinar workshop about what we talked about. Be there. You know, we're going to re revisit the point. Yep. So that's the memorable. So safe, logical, fun, and memorable. If you do that, it'll change everything. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that I love that, you know, none of these are, you know, uh, things that you know, make your, your brain, like hurt your brain, but they're, they're, they're so practical and they're so real and they will add, you know, so much to every presentation. I mean, mm -hmm. that is, uh, that is just powerful. You know, you think about the memorable side of it. Uh, I remember years ago, I, I, one of my good friends was a sales executive for a big giant company and he just, he's, he, you know, did exactly what you said with the fun and the memorable. Like he just brought in a game. I mean, this is, you know, he's like pitching million dollars, you know, worth of stuff, but he's like at the heart of it, every leader, you know, you tap into that positive emotion and you can really yep. draw them in. Yeah. I mean, we, we release dopamine, right. When we are excited about something and that is an instant pick me up. It makes people feel different and better. So Fun CEO story. I um, so I've been doing stickers for 17 years. <laughs> That's actually why the book is called Learning Can Stick. It's a play on words, right? So um, I have given stickers to all the humans I know: uh, children, teenagers, adults of all ages, and whatever. So this particular time, I was with about 200 people who work in the healthcare field, but are not necessarily healthcare workers, and uh, they work a lot with Medicare, Medicaid, that kind of thing. So this particular gentleman was the CEO, and I know this by the way he carried himself, the way he looked down at me as if to say, why in the heck are you here and what are you doing, right? So I greeted him at the door and I said, hi, would you like strawberry, chocolate, or peppermint? And he looked at me and he said, <laughs> they smell? I said, yeah, they sure do. And he goes, I don't want one of those. I'm like, okay. 
So I went on about my business, right? And throughout my my trainings or my meetings or my my presentations, I'm giving stickers, right? If you participate, if you um, have a great idea, if you encourage somebody else, you're going to get a sticker. So I said out loud, we switched to orange scented stickers, right? And so I'm still stickering all the humans. And afterwards, this gentleman, kid you not, chased me down in the lo- in the lobby, and he said, "Christy," I said, "Yes," he said. You said something about an orange scented sticker. I'm like, you're David. And he said, I want one of those. Oh, <laughs> right. So this gentleman wow. didn't like me at first, right? He wasn't ready for my shenanigans until he knew he could trust me. And he knew that he wasn't going to stand out or look different because he made a decision and he wanted to have a little choice in that decision. And I think when we present to people, we forget that they should have a little bit of choice that they should have a chance to think about whether or not they're okay with us from the beginning. They should be given the autonomy to to take what they want and, and absorb what they want. And so sometimes the orange scented sticker just takes a little while, <laughs> but this guy really <laughs> loved it. So, you know, we, as speakers, we have to be thoughtful about um, everybody in the room and mm. the fact that they're not all going to warm up at the same time and that's okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. Years ago when somebody first handed me Daniel Goldman's book, Primal Leadership, and I first started diving into, you know, the the study of emotional intelligence and all that. And the reality is, you know, for years and years and years, you know, the workplace led through fear and control. And we tapped into people's negative emotions thinking that would get productivity. Daniel Goldman says, hey, if you actually tap into their positive emotions, if they have fun, if they enjoy what they're doing – their productivity goes through the roof. Why do you think that it so often companies, you know, organizations, CEOs, bosses, you know, I guess we all get there, but we divert to that negative, you know, fear-based side when we, we lose the fun, you know, uh, safe tapping into those positive emotions side. I think it's two reasons. I think the first one is because that's the way we've always done it, right? We get trapped into that's the way we've always done it mentality. And so we can't have fun at work. Why would we have fun at work? Are you kidding me? This is serious stuff. We're dealing with multi-million dollar companies. I get it. But if your people aren't having fun, they're also not being their best selves. So I think it is about, um, this is the way we've always done it. And then it's also about that preconceived, misguided idea that we are supposed to be serious at work, right? That fun and work can't go together in the same sentence. And that's just not true. Um, If we're not having fun, it doesn't work. So I have a dear friend who is an actuary and actuaries have one of the toughest jobs on the planet. I mean, it is a level of math that I don't even pretend to understand. And this is their busiest season. Um, It's called bid season. And until the first weekend in June, they are working 16 hour days and it's Mm. crazy. So this person knows that it can't go on like that. And so they have, um, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but on Wednesdays, they have competitions like who can shoot a rubber band the furthest or who can, (laughs) yesterday's was my new favorite. They had a competition and they got points for every hour they stayed in their chair. They all had rolling chairs. So the rule was they had to roll to get a drink. They had to roll to somebody else's office <laughs> ask the question. They had to roll down the hall to go to the bathroom, right? So they had like a roller derby. And she told me yesterday evening, she said, it's been 12 hours and some people have not gotten out of their chair, except the only time they can get out 
is to get, they have to roll to the bathroom and they can get up and go to the bathroom to get back in their chair. Wow. That's fun. I love that. Stop productivity. They were probably more productive yesterday than they were all week because they had something to look forward to. So it's really just about, um, you know, your original question was, why do you think people default to the serious? I think it feels um, like that's what it's supposed to be when in reality, it doesn't have to be that way at all. I love that. I love that. Well, to, to walk back to kind of where we were in the presentation, sorry, I took us on a little tangent there, but I love it. It was, it was just so good. You, you talk about in your learning stick book, uh, the power of a hook. Why, why is a hook so important in our presentations? What, what does it do for us? So like we were talking about before, if somebody is on Instagram, they only watch the reels or TikTok or whatever. They only watch the reels that are interesting to them, right? So I love the ridiculous dog videos and they just make me smile. My husband does not care about those. And uh, yeah, that's, that's not his thing. So you're not always going to hook people with the same thing, but if you go in assuming that you're interesting and you don't get the audience to be able to relate to you, Mm. I assure you you're going to be talking to yourself for that hour. So a hook is a chance for people to be able to relate to what you're saying. So yes, it should be entertaining and yes, it should be fun, but it should also allow the person that you're talking to to put them squarely in the same seat that you're in. Like, have you ever sat through a movie yeah. so painful yeah. that you just couldn't, right? Or do you think that we should make work fun so people don't quit? I can relate to that, right? Mm. I've never said that phrase to somebody that they haven't gone, oh my gosh, this company needs that. It's not always their own company, but I have a friend, right? So it's about, and I know this is a Tom Goodlett thing, so we'll give a shout out to Tom Goodlett. It's about <laughs> making sure that you are not the hero, you're the guide in the story, right? Mm. So I don't need to be the hero in the story. Even though I know all the information and I planned the, the speech, I need my audience to be the hero. Right. I need them to go, oh my gosh, yes, me, that's me. And I'm just guiding them to come up with a better way to do something. So that's why so you need good. it. That's so good. And that ties in, you know, we talk about the why, you know, I mean, so often we, as the, the trainers or the presenters or the speakers, sometimes we don't think about the why so much. I mean, the why is so important. Why, why do you think it is so important to the people that we're presenting to and we're, you know, leading that way? So it's interesting because, um, you know, I'm a trained educator. So pedagogy is tra- the training of children under the age of 18. Now, nothing mm. magical happens at the age of 18, except that we as a society call them adults, right? But somewhere around the age of 18, your needs shift into something called andragogy. So pedagogy is how you would teach somebody under the age of 18. Andragogy is anybody over the age of 18. And most of the time, unless you're a youth pastor, you're talking to adults in these situations, right? Mm. Well, in andragogy, the driving force, well, okay, let's do it this way. In pedagogy, the driving force is, is this for a grade, right? Instead of in andragogy where it's, what's in this for me, right? We as adults can choose where students often can't. We can choose to listen or not listen. We can choose to be all in on something or not. And so if I don't see what's in it for me right away, just not going to listen. So Mm. that's the why. The why is why would I pay attention to this for the next hour? How does it impact me? How will it improve things for me? So it's actually a scientific way (laughs) of of how adults learn. Wow. Wow. 
That's so powerful. And again, you know, so many, so many times we get so worked up in our own fears or the stress and the anxiety that we lose sight of, you know, even, even if we kept that at the forefront, that would take away so much of the anxiety of sometimes people have, I got to get up and I present. Well, it's taking it less off you and more on your audience because you're answering the why you're helping them. So the smartest thing you can do when you're preparing to speak to people is to backwards map, right? So you have to start with what are people going to walk away with? Why would somebody mm. want to listen to this? And if you know that, that's your target, right? So if your target is clear, I want people to leave with X, Y, and Z, then everything you say and do is going to lead towards that target. And you can be confident and know that they're going to walk away with what you wanted them to walk away with. So my tiny book that just came out called um, Make Work Fun So People Don't Quit. Look how cute it is. Oh my gosh, it it's is? just like the size of a cell phone. It's the best. But it's about <laughs> fitting that target, right? And being super clear to keep the main thing the main thing. I think what we tend to do in all of life, whether it's personal or professional, is we aim kind of generally at this wall and hope something hits instead of going, what's the laser focus? What's the yep. target I'm trying to hit here? And if you have been asked to be a speaker and you have 45 minutes to get your point across, if you don't even know what your point is, guess what you're not going to do? <laughs> you're not going to hit that target. So yep. step one, if you're going to backwards map a speech is, by goodness, what do I want people to know when I'm done talking? Yep. That's so that good. Your question? That's so good. Yeah. Answers it right away. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation that, boy, this week, we, we could do part two, part three, part four. I mean, this is... <laughs> This is so good. Uh, how important is it as the communicator? You know, how important is it to, you know, attain to try to be focus on being someone who's real, authentic, you know, vulnerable, you know, do those things, you know, do they really do help your presentation or is it just something that, you know, we put on a paper because it sounds like the right thing to do? If you're not authentic, people will read through you immediately. You have to be your authentic self. So my husband um, says that I'm a bold flavor. I'm not sure it's 100% of the time um, a good thing. Uh, most of the time, though, he's a bold flavor too, so it's okay. But <laughs> I know I'm a lot, right? I know that I am full steam ahead. You know, here I am, bold flavor, go. And I have to own that. Because yes. if I tried to be small, people would be like, what's wrong with her? right? Mm. Somebody who isn't that same bold flavor came in and tried to be, people would immediately be like, well, who does he think he is, right? Mm. If we don't show up as our authentic self, we have not given permission for anybody else in the room to be vulnerable and do the same. So I would say it's the number one thing. As a matter of fact, it's the beginning of my book, right? So the safe mm. is, is um, clarity and authenticity. If you are not clear with your expectations and authentic with who you are, you are going to get called out, um, whether yep. it's that people just choose to leave right in a conference setting and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here for this. <laughs> or if people are um, just, you know, going to question you the entire time. Either way, if you're not if you don't choose authenticity, it's going to call you out that you're not being your authentic. self. So I'd say 100 percent needed. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. And again, something that we don't, we get so wrapped up in, you know, at times about the building my slide deck and doing this and doing that when, you know, we just got to back up a little bit. And I love how you, you talk about the backwards math and just focus on those essentials. Yeah. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Well, and I was listening to some of your other podcasts that you've done recently, which are all oh. great, by the way, really, well, really thank cool. You. <laughs> 
And it was what you asked somebody else a similar question about that authentic self. And it, it's about um, recognizing that you're only equipped to be who you are, right? So mm. I can't be anybody else. I was born Christy Lee Finn, and now I'm a Christy Lee McMullen. <laughs> and that's who I am. I have to be that person. I can't show up as anybody else. So if you are trying to mimic what another speaker does, yep. that's fine as long as you are putting your spin and personality into it. But if you try to give stickers as an example and you are not a sticker person, that is not going to work. <laughs> right? right? You will look ridiculous. <laughs> um, and yet I have had friends who have been able to put their own spin on the sticker thing and it worked for them. So it's more about, yes, you should emulate others and you should look for really great speakers and figure out who does it well. But if you don't put your own personality into it, they're going to call you out every time. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's so good. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to, but I'm going to cut us off here because I feel I, like we could keep talking and talking and I feel what, what I'm doing right now is I'm going to leave the audience wanting for the, Dude, the part two of the conversation. <laughs> Because <laughs> this has been, that. I mean, this has been so powerful. Before I do let you go, though, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Sure. You know, our audience can kind of keep getting to know you and then we can, you know, learn a little bit. But uh, are there some favorite communicators, some favorite speakers that you just, boy, you, you love to listen to, you love to learn from? Yes. So I like um, John Acuff is, is a great one. Brene Brown is another one that I've already mentioned. Simon Sinek. Um, Adam Grant, the, the people who are asking the tough questions and then trying to show up in a way that is helpful to others. Those are the kinds of speakers I really love. Mm, I love that. Is there a podcast that you love for growth reasons or a podcast that you love for guilty pleasure reasons? So um, there's a great one called That Sounds Fun. It's actually a Christian one, um, but she interviews all kinds of people and um, she is just phenomenal. And right this second, her name has totally left me. Amy, Amy, no. Annie, oh, Annie F. Downs. Amy F. Downs, that's it. How yes. Like, Amy, Annie, no, Annie F. Downs, awesome. Um, another one that I've really gotten into recently is Ed Milet. Um, He mm. has interviewed some really fabulous people as well. So I used to be, like I said, Brene Brown listener, and then she w decided to stop her podcast. And the way that happened, when the pandemic hit, that was her first, like it was in March of 2020 that she released her first podcast from a closet in her house. And so I've been listening since then. So I think what happens with me is I find somebody I really like and I stick with them because I, I um, feel like I grow up with them too. So the last one I'd mention is Adam Hill. He's not one that you've probably heard of, um, mm. but he is fairly new to the podcast scene and he has one called Slow Over Fear. And it's all about leadership and making sure that you're not letting your anxiety stop you from doing really great things. So those would be my three. I love that. And we'll put those in the show notes for our listeners to yeah. be able to use those. And then I'm going to throw you one. Uh, I didn't put this one on the, on the content doc, but I'll just okay. throw it, you know, for a reason. But is there a place uh, vacation wise that you're hoping that your husband mentions someday, Hey, we should really go there. <laughs> so we're going in October and I'm so excited. Okay. So we're um, going to do our first European vacation. We haven't wow. overseas. So we're going to start in Paris then go to Switzerland. Um, and I am actually going to get to go to Bern, Switzerland, which is where my family originated. So that's kind of cool. Wow. And then from Switzerland, we go to Milan, Milan to the Tuscany region. And then we go to the, to the coast of Italy and then back up to Milan to fly to England to come home. So we're trying to cram way too much into three weeks. However, <laughs> we're super excited about it. That's incredible. Just incredible.
Well, thank you so much for being on the Speak With People podcast. Could you direct us, uh, point us to where's the best place to find you online where we can get all of your resources and all that? Sure. So I have a website called aimwithus.com, and that is where you can find all the things. But I do kind of live in the LinkedIn space. So you were mentioning that, you know, some of my posts actually are helpful. That is my hope and dream, right? Um, but in LinkedIn, if you just look up Dr. Christine McMullen, you'll find me. And that, to me, is the space all leaders should be spending some time. Um, so that's my biggest. I do also have a presence on Instagram and Facebook. And again, if you just look up Christine McMullen, you're going to find me or Analyze Improve Moves, which is the name of my company. So those are the best places. And I really hope you'll start following because I'm having some fun out there and nobody's seeing it. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for your time. Thanks for this interview. And thank you because, like I said, I think I said it off air, but, you know, as someone who does speak and who does train, like your book, Learning Can Stick, I mean, has been insanely helpful. And when I saw you wrote this one, Make Work Fun, I was like, this is this resonates with me because fun and laughter are a high value to me. And so I just appreciate all that you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. It really was fun and I'd be happy to come back if you need me. I love it. Well, definitely. Well, and thank you, Speak With People listeners, for being a part of our community. I just want to remind you, if you're not a part of our Speak With People Facebook group yet, head to Facebook, search for the Speak With People community group. It is growing by the day, and it's just a group of people who want to become more effective communicators. And so we we create ideas, we have different videos, and we just help each other out with how we can be more effective communicators. Uh, and then I wanna make sure that you know, uh, Speak With People is here for you if you wanna grow your public speaking skills. If this is something where you're like, I, I need to get better so I can improve, head to speakwithpeople.com slash coaching. We have a public speaking skills uh, coaching package. We have a leadership communication uh, coaching package, and then we have life coaching. And so those are things that we have available for you. Can't thank you enough for every listen, every review that you write on uh, Apple Podcast. And just thank you again for sharing this podcast with others. Again, this podcast exists because our words matter, and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for our uh, relationships and our leadership. And so, uh, whether you speak one-on-one and on a team from a stage or from a screen, we really do believe that your words matter and you really can change your world with your words. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week on the Speak With People podcast.